We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey friends, did you know that right now you can go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100? It's an awesome deal and you should probably check it out right now. Of course, I had to get my Packers prize picks in early, so here it goes. Number one on my list, Jordan Love, more than 199.5 passing yards. This one feels easy. Jordan is going to have to throw the ball. I know they're going to want to get both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon involved in this game. Per the injury report and per Matt LaFleur, it sounds like both are ready to play. Aaron Jones is not on the injury report with any designation, so I'm sure they're going to want to get that running game going but Jordan is going to throw for over 200 yards in this game if I had to have any say over it whatsoever. They're still going to attack this Carolina Panthers defense. They're going to want to put up points. I know Christian Watson's probably not going to play in this game. Jaden Reed's a little bit questionable. I still think they have the weapons on the outside to attack this Panthers defense, and I expect Jordan Love to have over 199.5 passing yards. Okay, next we've got Adam Thielen, more than 4.5 receptions. With Thielen, he has been a Packers killer forever. He is Bryce Young's go-to target, and we know how Joe Barry's going to play. He basically said it this week. They're not expecting any major changes to this defense, not at this point in the season. They're going to play off of him. Bryce Young is going to get those completions. They're going to go to Adam Thielen, and I think he's going to go more than 4.5 receptions in this game. And finally, Chuba Hubbard, more than 49.5 rushing yards. 
Listen, if Green Bay holds Chuba Hubbard under 50 rushing yards, that will be an epic day for this Packers defense. I don't see it happening. As mentioned, Joe Barry said that he doesn't expect a ton of changes for this Packers defense. They give up rushing yards like they're giving out Halloween candy. I like Chuba Hubbard more than 49.5 rushing yards in this game as well. So to recap, Jordan Love more than 199.5 passing yards, Adam Thielen more than 4.5 receptions, and Chuba Hubbard more than 49.5 rushing yards. There's plenty of other options to choose from even if you don't like my selections. And the best part is that you can go to pricepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for that first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Before we jumpstart things today, I want to kick things off with a huge announcement. April nineteenth, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. They are going to be hosting a Packaday podcast at the ballpark night. I could not be more excited about this. A $10 ticket gets you box seats to the game, a live Q&A session with yours truly for an hour from 5.15 to 6.15 prior to the start of the game. And then of course you get to enjoy some great Timber Rattlers baseball as well. It's going to be right before the NFL draft. So we should have a ton to talk about at that time. I, again, am so honored to be a part of this. They reached out to me. I could not be more thrilled. So make sure to check that out. The link is going to be in the show notes below. It's going to stay there, but make sure to check out those tickets. A $10 ticket gets you tickets to the game and access to the live Q&A. So make sure you get your tickets now. And again, super appreciative of the Timber Rattlers for having me. All right, let's jumpstart things after that with the injury report from Friday. A real mixed bag in this injury report. Let's start with those players that are out. Devondre Campbell, Darnell Savage, and Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave is not surprising. It sounds like he's still working his way back and there's hopes that he can come back towards the end of the season. Whether that's a week away or two weeks away, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, But there was never really much chance of him playing in this particular game. Darnell Savage remains out. That means at safety, you're probably looking at Jonathan Owens and Rudy Ford again, although Anthony Johnson Jr. could get a look there as well. More on Rudy Ford in just a moment. And then Devondre Campbell, This one should not be surprising based on his tweet earlier in the week. He clearly felt that he was playing through injury, was not too pleased about it. And Matt LaFleur and Devondre Campbell, and seems like the team made the decision to let him get his body right per Matt earlier in the week. Clearly his body is still not right and he is not going to play in this game. I think that's probably best for both sides. What will now be interesting is to see, does he play again in green and gold? Does he play again this season? This could be his last season. We're going to have to track that as time goes on. But out for this game, Devondre Campbell, Darnell Savage, and Luke Musgrave. Doubtful are Luke Tenuta and Emmanuel Wilson, who are working their way back from IR. They just opened their practice window. Not surprising that they're not ready to go yet. Not a major impact in this game, but Luke Tenuta and Emmanuel Wilson will be doubtful and very likely will not play in this game. The other one, Christian Watson, also doubtful. He's not going to play in this one either unless something miraculous happens. He's hoping to play, I think, in this uh, next game against Minnesota. So they're trying to get him ramped up and ready for that game, but he will miss this Panthers game in all likelihood as well. So doubtful, Luke Tenuta, Emmanuel Wilson, and Christian Watson. Then a plethora of questionable players, including Jair Alexander, A.J. Dillon, 
Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Rudy Ford, Robert Rochelle, and TJ Slayton. Which one of these go is, uh, you know, up to the eye of the beholder in this one. It's hard to predict which ones exactly are going to go. Jaden Reed did not practice on Friday. That could be a tell that he might not be ready to go. Now he has toughed through everything so far. It's just probably going to be a game time decision for him would be my guess. Maybe we'll get a report early from Schefter or Rappaport that he's good to go. I guarantee you if there's any capacity where he can play, he will play, but that's going to be one to monitor with him not practicing on Friday. The good news, the really good news is, as you mentioned, or as we mentioned on the questionable list, AJ or AJ Dillon is on the questionable list, but Aaron Jones is not. He looks good to go. It sounds like he's ready to ramp up his playing time. And Matt LaFleur seemed hopeful that they're going to be able to give him additional carries this week. And then AJ Dillon, as I was mentioning, he is on that report, but Matt LaFleur said he feels good about where AJ Dillon is at. That seemingly would indicate that he's going to go with some sort of cast or something on his thumb and that he's still able to carry the ball. We'll see what Jones and Dillon are able to give this offense. I can guarantee you they're going to want to run the ball with some level of consistency against Carolina, if at all possible, but we're just going to have to kind of wait and see to see what type of shape they're in and what they can give Green Bay on Sunday. The big one, of course, that still remains this beautiful mystery, maybe not so beautiful, is Jair Alexander. Matt LaFleur did say he was hopeful on Jair Alexander. That's an interesting way to frame that because if he doesn't play, then what happened again? Like it's almost setting it up, right? If he does not play, well, you were he's questionable. He practiced all week. You said on Friday you were hopeful he was going to play. What happened going from hopeful to not playing? Obviously, if they do get him back, that is a huge add to that Packers secondary and could help against Adam Thielen and the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. So just to recap, Devondre Campbell, Darnell Savage, Luke Musgrave are out. Luke Tenuta, Emmanuel Wilson, Christian Watson are doubtful. Jair, Dylan, Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Rudy Ford, Robert Rochelle, and TJ Slayton are questionable. And again, Jaden Reed did not practice Friday. Jair Alexander, Matt LaFleur is hopeful about. Aaron Jones, no designation. And Matt LaFleur felt good about where A.J. Dillon is at. All right, let's recap and go back over Packers Bucks, which I get feels like forever ago now, but didn't get a chance to do my grades earlier this week. Obviously, we had a ton of great guests on, which always wanted to defer to them. But I still want to go over grades from this week because I think things were actually pretty interesting as I went through this. The first thing I will note here, that was most interesting to me as I went through this. I get to the end of my grades and the offense graded out as a positive plus 4.4 grade and the defense was only a negative 1.35. The first thing I'll say there is the defense, that's still not good. It's a negative 1.35. But if you told me that Green Bay had a plus 4.4 on offense and a negative 1.35 on defense, I probably would have predicted that they won the game. I probably would have predicted that Green Bay put up more than 20 points on offense, specifically knowing that seven of those came directly off a turnover inside the five-yard line. I probably would have predicted that the defense, while not good, would probably gave up their usual 20 to 23 points, not the atrocity that we saw this past Sunday. So what gives? How did the offense score so well and the defense not score that poorly, but the results were still atrocious, especially on the defensive side, and the offense only put up 20 points? I came down to a few different things in this game. The first one is that there were a lot of positive plays, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, that were immediately counterfeit. Meaning you would have a sack and they would lose eight yards, but then they pick up 18 yards on the next play. On the grade sheet, there's a huge positive for that big time sack 
on the actual stat sheet and the actual flow of the game, if it gets counterfeit two plays later, it's not going to maybe show up as much on the grade sheet, but it completely changes the complexion of that drive and potentially the game. There were a lot of situations and circumstances like that where Green Bay's good plays, specifically on defense, immediately got washed out a play or two later. The second thing I will say was that a lot of times, and again, I'm going to specifically talk about the defense here, the players just were not in a position to succeed. Obviously, that goes to scheme and coaching quite a bit. Maybe it's misalignment, as Matt LaFleur alluded to earlier this week. What I cannot do when I'm grading a player, let's say that there was a situation where Matt LaFleur went over of uh, a safety that was supposed to come down in the box, but they didn't rotate down. And then you think he said it was a bad deal and you just end up in a totally bad situation. I can't know that that safety was supposed to come down in the box. I can't just say like, oh, yep, that, I'm, I'm guessing that that safety was supposed to come down and he didn't, so I'm going to give him a negative grade. You get into just guesswork at that point. I am grading the things that are actually gradable on the field. And if a player didn't do what they were supposed to, I can't grade that. That's not something that goes into the calculus as I'm doing this. I think there were probably situations where players were not in the spot that they were supposed to based on their own mistakes. And those just don't show up on the grade sheet. I think there are times where players were not in a position to succeed based on the play call that was made. There's a particular play on a third down that I posted on Twitter earlier this week where Keyshawn Nixon, I think Orlovsky posted the same one. Keyshawn Nixon has three defenders or three uh, players that he has to defend all by himself. There's no way he can make a play on Chris Godwin on the play because he's got three people in his area. He was in no man's land no matter what. There's another play where like the safeties are 25 yards back and incapable of making a play. You're playing nine on 11. There's just too many situations and scenarios where players were not in a position to succeed. So you can't grade them in a negative way if they never had the opportunity to make a play in the first place. It would be pretty rough for me to grade Keyshawn Nixon as a huge negative on a first down conversion because he couldn't cover three people all at once. It just wasn't good enough. And if players aren't in a position to succeed, you're not going to see it as a huge negative on the grade sheet. You are going to see it as a huge negative as you're watching the game. So that was another reason why the defensive grades weren't quite as bad. The third thing was Green Bay was not good in big moments in this game. There were a few, clearly. The Inigbari play was huge. The Jaden Reed touchdown from Jordan Love was amazing. But there were too many situations on third downs or in the red zone for the offense where they came out and did not get the needed points out of it. They had to settle for field goals or they weren't able to convert on third down. And you would get some of these big plays, but then in the big moments when they really needed it, they didn't come through in the clutch. And the same thing on defense, where it would be like they would get a couple stops and run defense or they'd get that sack, but it would be a big third down and they just could not get off the field. And it just extended those drives and gave more and more opportunities for Tampa to put points on the board. So those were kind of the really big things as to why the grades might actually look a little bit better than what the actual outcome of the game did. Again, you had players not put in a position to succeed, whether that be via scheme or not aligning correctly. And again, that's, those are hard things to grade. You had big plays that were immediately counterfeit. And it just it was just a disjointed game overall that just, it didn't flow right. And as soon as, again, Green Bay made a big play, it would, they, they weren't good enough in those big moments as well. Again, that's why the grades might seem a little bit better. Hey there, I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. 
a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. But let's get to our top grades and bottom grades from this week. Top grades on offense, Jaden Reed plus 1.05. I thought he was spectacular in this game. And it, it starts, of course, with the touchdown in the back of the end zone. He, to, to get those two feet in, to pay that awesome throw off uh, from Jordan Love, it was just a work of beauty from both of them. It's going to go on both of their career highlight tapes. But I thought Jaden was good all day long, finding so, you know separation, finding holes in zones, picking up first downs. It was just a, another really impressive, consistent performance from Jaden. And it was capped off again. And the big play was that touchdown in the back of the end zone. Number two on my list is Jordan Love with a plus 0.95 grade. He started slow. He had the miss to Jaden Reed. And that's another play from Jaden Reed where he got open and could have actually had another touchdown on the day. But I thought after that, he settled in really nicely. We talked about the touchdown to Reed in the back of the end zone. I thought he made good decisions. There was one play where he had a run pass option and he probably should have handed it off. Instead, he threw to the right and the player had an opportunity, threw it a little bit inside. The defender had maybe a slight opportunity to make a play on that ball. That was really one of the more uh, you know poor decisions on the day. And it wasn't super egregious. And of course, it just ends up as an incomplete pass. Outside of that, I didn't think he put the ball in danger. There was a lot of RPOs that they gave Jordan a lot of autonomy to make those decisions. Outside of the one we just talked about, I thought he made the read, the correct read far more often than not. Just a really steady, consistent performance. And I know he had the fumble at the end of the game on the fourth down. A couple throws he would have liked to have had back, no question about it. But I still thought this was a overall positive performance from Jordan. And again, that touchdown to Reed is going to go on his career highlight tape no matter what. It was just that beautiful of a play. Number three was Elton Jenkins, plus 0.8 grade on the day. He continues to play really good football. I thought he was sound as a run blocker, really great in pass protection. He didn't have to go against Vita Vea all that much, which helped his day, but he's been Mr. Consistency over the course of the last two months. I think it was maybe last week where he didn't have a great game overall, but like we're, we're talking about two plus months straight now of Elton just playing football at a very high level, looking like the Elton Jenkins we expected coming into this year after that new contract, being one of the better guards in football. It's, it's never been quite perfect for Elton, but it's so fun to watch. And he's really come into his own and settled into this season. And I think he's to that point now where you can just kind of set it and forget it, not have to worry about left guard. And you know that he's going to give you a solid performance every single week. And in the NFL, with where the offensive line play is at right now, that is more than invaluable. We know he can play multiple positions, but he's playing so well at left guard. You really don't want to move him off of that spot. 
My bottom three on offense this week, Josh Myers, negative 1.05. I thought Myers had about two to three weeks of really good football prior to this week. He had a matchup with Vita Vea that not a lot of guys are going to enjoy that matchup. That's a tough day at the office. Vita got the best of him on a few different occasions. Uh, He just did not pass protect well. He did not run block well, fell off too many blocks, didn't have that same level of aggressiveness. A couple nice plays from him in this game, no question about it. I think he'll bounce back, but this was a little bit more like the the Josh Myers we saw earlier in the season. Hopefully it's just a a hiccup because he went against Vita Vea. But when I watch things breaking down on the offensive line, far more often than not, what I saw was Josh Myers as the key culprit on uh, on the line overall. Yash Nyman, negative 0.25, nothing egregious here, uh, but I thought he was just far... Far worse is maybe uh, a lot, but he just wasn't as good as Rashid Walker on the day. Uh, gave up a couple pressures. And uh, again, he has not been good in run blocking all year long. Didn't get that much playing time. Didn't have any major blips like you, that you were super concerned about, but just didn't think it was a positive performance from Yash. And then Patrick Taylor, negative 0.2, had a couple plays in pass pro that I think he would have liked to have had back. Again, nothing egregious there either. Some noteworthy plays uh, or players, I should say. Dontavian Wicks, plus 0.35. Tucker Craft plus 0.75. He continues to play really great football these past two weeks as a blocker, as a pass catcher, run after the catch guy, had the beautiful diving touchdown this week. Of course, the hurdle that didn't go exactly according to plan. I think Tucker would be the first to tell you that. Uh, But overall, he's playing really, really fun football. Rashid Walker plus 0.45 grade. He, uh, the past five weeks, he's been in the positive every single week. He's just playing at a totally different level than he was earlier in the season. Zach Tom, Mr. Consistency with a plus 0.55 grade. And JRJ, John Running Jr., with his best game of the season, in my opinion, with a plus 0.4 grade. This is one where I actually thought he outperformed Sean Ryan pretty easily on this particular day. That hadn't been the case. And unfortunately, this was the day that Ryan actually got as many snaps as Runyon did. Uh, but in those limited snaps for, for both players, because they split them in half, basically, I definitely thought uh, Runyon was actually the better player on this particular day. All right, top three on defense, TJ Slayton plus 1.00 grade. I don't know what to make of TJ. TJ Slayton is the human embodiment of the 2023 Green Bay Packers. I don't know what I'm going to get on any given week. I want to say three weeks ago and four weeks ago, TJ Slayton was playing far too high, not playing physical, didn't look the part, did not look like, just didn't even look like he wanted to play. And it was so disappointing because when he plays well, he is so impactful. That dude with that size, with that movement ability, he's a nightmare to play against. And then these past two weeks, he's looked otherworldly. He's looked fantastic. And again, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. It might be a bad game. It might be a mech game. It might be a great game. You just don't know. But these past two weeks from Slayton have been freaking awesome. And please, I am begging you, just keep playing that way because it seems kind of like a just turning on the, you know, flipping the switch sort of thing. But when he does this defense, and I know they didn't have a great game defensively overall this week, it goes without saying, but they are much better when he plays that way in general. And he has the ability to just give them something different and, and give Kenny Clark some help up front. I thought he was awesome this past week. Kingsley Nigbari, plus 0.95 grade. A huge part of that has been the forced fumble, fumble recovery, but he's playing some good football as of late. I think really the best football of his two-year career, probably over the past month. And this is another impressive performance. Had a solid day outside of the big forced fumble, would have graded in the positive even without that play. So he continues to play well. And then number three on my list is Lucas Van Ness, plus 0.4 grade. 
I really like the way that he is coming along. Now, he needs to be schemed up a bit to show off some of that explosiveness and just playmaking ability. He's still not winning clean, but he is playing much better football. He's setting the edge better. He's better as a run defender. And when he gets that avenue to attack the quarterback, he is doing so. Nice sack this past week. He continues to show up when given opportunities. That's what you want to see him show signs of progress. We're seeing that they're doing a better job of scheming that, and he still needs to win one-on-one with some pass rush moves. That's going to take some time, but you love seeing him show up on the positive list, specifically in the top three this week. All right, that brings us to our bottom three this week. Number one on my list, Carrington Valentine, negative 1.10 grade. This was a tough one from Carrington, and it was a tough day for all of the defensive backs. Did not you know, particularly like, you know, just kind of the way he played in coverage. I thought there were times where he needed to attack a little bit more and he did not. Got beat a few times, both uh, short, intermediate, deep, like just need to see a little bit more consistency out of Carrington. And without that, you're not sure. You're kind of going back to TJ Slayton. You're just not sure what you're going to get week in and week out. I was hopeful for a big game. I had predicted the Carrington Valentine pick six. That clearly did not happen. Um, just want to see a little bit more consistency out of him. I really like the way he attacks the game as a run defender very poor. He does not want to come in and get his hands too dirty. A couple of plays where he could have come in and make a play and he kind of avoided contact on it. That was a huge reason for the negative in this one, but his pass coverage wasn't up to snuff either. Just need to see, like I said, a little bit more consistency out of him. And then you had the two off-ball linebackers, Devontae Campbell with a negative 0.95 grade, Quay Walker with a negative 0.75. They were just they were beat all day in coverage. They did not make aggressive plays in the backfield. Quay had numerous opportunities. Go back and listen to the Mike Wall episode from yesterday. He he went over, actually, sorry, it was uh, Sam Munson's video where he detailed all the different plays that uh, Quay had these big mistakes and errors in the game. They were plentiful. And then Devondre, and I, I guarantee injuries are playing the part for both of these guys. Devondre clearly mentioned it this week and is not playing this upcoming week. I think Quay is banged up as well. But you're still you know, held to a specific standard when you're out there. I didn't think Quay or Devondre met it this week. And again, they attacked those two in coverage all game long, and neither of them were up to the task in this one. The noteworthy one here is not a particular player, but rather my defensive line and edge grades this week all totaled up were plus 2.90. So that's all the defensive linemen and the edge rushers combined into one group plus 2.90. Of that entire group, everyone that played on the defensive line or at edge, only Colby Wooden had a negative grade and he had a negative 0.05. So basically a neutral grade for him. Everyone else graded in the positive. At linebacker and defensive back, so the off-ball linebackers we just discussed, corners and safeties, those groups combined were negative 4.25. Only Anthony Johnson Jr. in that group did not grade in the negative with a handful of snaps where he graded as a neutral 0.00 grade. Rough day for the defensive backfield going basically off-ball linebacker corners and safeties. They did not hold up their end of the bargain at all. It was up to the Packers pass rush. If they got there, they could they could make things happen. They got five sacks on the day. If they did not get there, it was going to be a completion. It was almost as simple as that. And it was just a brutal day from everyone in that defensive backfield. Nobody really played well. As I mentioned, Anthony Johnson Jr., the only neutral grade. Corey Ballantyne comes in. He gives up the pass interference. Stokes had a tough day in his first game back. Just a, a really, really tough day. Whether it was communication, misalignment, poor play, execution, all of the above, it was all evident at the linebacker, corner, and safety spots. All right, just to recap, top three players on offense, Jaden Reed, Jordan Love, and Elton Jenkins. Bottom three, Josh Myers, Yash Nyman, and Patrick Taylor. 
Noteworthy, Dontavian Wicks, Tucker Craft, Rashid Walker, Zach Tom, and John Runyon Jr. Top three on defense, TJ Slayton, Kingsley Nigbari, and LVN. Bottom three, Carrington Valentine, Devondre Campbell, and Quay Walker. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, most hated Minnesotan, PJ Wayne, John Wilde, Shea Bradad, Arnoldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, Donald Lee, Baby QB, and MB1023. That's going to do it for me today, but until next time, and as always, Go Paco. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.